Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. skim over. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers, and they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They recorded everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted that Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, see, board meetings, I'm just telling you, long discussions. Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they can hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved in the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to make from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, he who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for the many generations. Lord, this is your word today, and may it be alive and active in this room to change our hearts because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we looked at Paul and Barnabas going on their first missionary trip. And I think Jason had our our map of that to give you a reminder. 
But they started at Antioch, went all the way up to Derby, turned around, came back, visited places. So now they're back in Antioch of, of Syria. That's up here on the right side. That's where, where they're at. And it even said that they, when they made this round trip back in chapter 14, it said, and they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Again, remember I told you how Luke, you know, kind of uses these words that seem like we're just sort of flowing along day by day, but then there's years that will stretch in there. So the problem was some men of Judea. So last week we loved some of them believers, right? We love some of the believers that were unknown to us. Well, here's some more unknowns, but this week we're not so keen on these. Because some of the men of Judea were teaching, what, Jason? Unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So there at Antioch, they were beginning to teach, and these would have been Jewish believers. Once they had converted, they were Jewish, and now they believe in Jesus. And, and they were trying to say, well, these Gentiles, because here's the deal, they're starting to grow in numbers, right? So we got to get them straightened up and cleaned up, right? we got to clean those people up. And so they're trying to push the wall back on them again. Now remember, the point of circumcision was to mark the Jews so that they were seen as the chosen people of God. So now all of a sudden they're saying... Um, you can't be saved if you've not been circumcised. What are the three things that have been preached over and over when you get saved? You repent, you be baptized, and you be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what the apostles have been preaching. And remember, baptism is not the requirement of your salvation. That was the external public acknowledgement. I am converting into what is now become known as Christianity, Right? They're showing, I no longer am a, a Jewish, you know, over here in the Judaism. I am now a Christian believer, so I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the three requirements that they have had. And so Paul and Barnabas are irate. They are arguing, no, like that is not part of this anymore. That is, that is not what Jesus came to do. So finally, when they could not come to an agreement with those in Antioch, they did what any good church would do. They called a meeting. You know, it's biblical. I hate to say it, but it's biblical. I'm I'm reminding my board members because it's biblical. We we have meetings, right? So they said we're gonna we're gonna go back up down. I, I guess it was down. He had the map. Jerusalem's down from there. We're gonna go to Jerusalem. We're gonna meet up with the apostles. And Jerusalem was sort of that that head, the hub where when you had a problem, that's where you went to settle it with this new belief. And so they, I guess you would say, had the first general assembly. Miss Diane, you 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 go to district and other things with me, and this would have been like the general assembly because they had their local delegates, it said, and they sent them with Paul and Barnabas and sent them to the head, the apostles and elders. And then I love this part. I wish Pat was in here because she gives me a lot of trouble. When we're at district, I do a lot of talking. Do I not? I do. I do. I wander. I talk. Like any good Nazarene, though, they stopped at the towns in between to say, hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? You know? So when Pat comes back in, I want you to tell her it's biblical for me to be conversing all over district assembly when we're there. 
Um, so that's what I saw. They're, they're visiting with people along the way, but they're making their way to Jerusalem. Now what happens at Jerusalem? Well, first you have this great opening ceremony where they get to share, this is what God is doing in the Gentiles. All right, because obviously these Pharisees are starting to kind of muddy the water a little bit. Now the Gentiles, right? We we got it. We know. We all have that them people, right? But they begin to tell, this is what God is doing. Like we have seen God do such an amazing work, and so. It's not long that, you know, there's people even there in Jerusalem, some of the Pharisees that have converted, remember, they're Christian, but they're already starting off. No, you got to be circumcised. Now they've even at it, and you got to follow the law of Moses. So they're attacking more. But let's pause for a minute, because these Pharisees, they're still believers, and if we're really honest today, we probably can relate more to this than we would like to admit. Alright? So, I've only been in the church 25 years. And I mean, that, that's for real. Like 25 years, but that's still more than half my life, right? And there's been a lot just in these 25 years that has changed in church environment, right? And I'm sure some of you that you've been born from the very beginning into church, you, you can talk even more about how church has just changed. The things and the traditions Right, And so I think we can probably relate to this a little more because sometimes we get caught up in the things that we know that make us feel comfortable because we don't like change. You know, just in 25 years, dress code has changed. When I first was dating Thomas and I'd come home on weekends from college with him, I had to borrow dresses from my roommate because I didn't have church-appropriate clothes. And back then, you ladies, we talked about this Wednesday night, you ladies didn't wear jeans to church. You didn't wear even dress. I mean, very rarely somebody had on some really dressed up dress pants, right? So that's one of the changes we've had over the years. And I'll tell you real quick, one of the reasons I love to wear blue jeans even while I'm preaching is because there was a lady at our women's meeting, and she always came to women. Somebody asked her, why don't you come to church? She said, because I only have one dress, and I can't afford to buy anymore. I can't wear the same dress every week. That rocked my world. That's what's keeping her from coming to church? That? Nah. That was the very first Sunday I wore pants to church. Reba might have had a slide heart attack. I'm not sure, you know, but we all got over it. And now we don't even think about it, do we? We don't even think about it. Our kids come in barefoot. So what? I love it. Right? What are some other things? Music has changed. You know, there's been changes. Grandparents, happy Grandparents Day. It's grand, you know, they call it Grandparents Day, but I think they celebrate Friday through Sunday, don't they? It's Grandparents Weekend, because I know the school, you guys did something with them. Um, but grandparents, let me just tell you, your grandchildren are living in a whole different era than you. And so things do look a little bit different, Right? And there will be some things that they do that make you roll your eyes to the back of your head, right? And say, well, if they were really Christian, they wouldn't do that. And some of it maybe we can kind of agree on, but here's the deal. 
if they repented, got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and I think they're doing okay. Like God will work on everything else, right? The real question that these Pharisees was causing problems with was, well, you can't be saved if, right? You can't be saved if you're not circumcised like we are. We're the good God people, right? So they were clinging to these things that they had been taught all their life. And I can only imagine how hard that was for them to have a complete religious system really topsy-turvied upside down for them. When you've been taught to follow all of these laws, and you know what? I'm one of those people getting ready for vacation yesterday. I sat down and wrote out my little to-do list, like the check-off, check-off. I don't care if it was something as small as a Band-Aid. It was on that list, so I wouldn't forget it, right? And somehow that always brings comfort to me, and I swear we still forgot things. Things that were on the list, even, right? But I can understand how hard this was for them to go, wait a minute, we've been doing all of this, and now you're saying we just got to do this. That don't make sense. So they were struggling with that. So Peter steps up and addresses the group. Now, again, if you're reading through Acts and you're not paying attention or you're not studying extra notes, it feels like we're just moving day by day, month by month. So remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Peter and Cornelius, right? The first, the first Gentile. It's been 10 years from that moment to the moment we're in today. So do you, do you see how, how stretched out? In other words, these Gentiles, man, they are converting and it's becoming a big thing. And here's the deal. When churches grow, we always have things we have to deal with, right? Like we pray, we want to see seats filled up. But let me tell you, if every seat in this house filled up, there would be people in here that would make you uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that to discourage us from praying that. I'm saying that's the honest truth. When God begins to move... It's going to be in people that may not look like us all the time, right? I did a funeral in here one time a couple of years ago, and it, it was just a family, and they just needed a facility, and I'm sure. And I even, at the very last minute, wound up preaching somebody's funeral that I didn't know, you know. And I remember they opened up, they wanted to open up, and it was just a handful of people here, and they wanted to open up to let people share stories about this person, and, and people started standing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some very unsanctified words flying in this room. <laughs> I guess that's my pastor moment of what weird thing happened, right? You know, it's like, okay, and, and, and they knew, we, they, they like looked at me and was like, oh, pastor, we're sorry. And I'm like, it's okay, you know? Because I realized this was this was a family that had not been raised in church that they just didn't know better. And that didn't hurt my feelings whatsoever, right? Because I still got to have some really good conversations with some of those family members to talk about Jesus. So I'm okay with that. And so that's what the Pharisees are kind of feeling towards these Gentiles right now. It's making them uncomfortable. We want to assimilate them to look and act like us. So Peter steps.
steps up, though, and he begins to address, and he begins to talk about what? Verse 8. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Do you remember when he was at Cornelius' house, he didn't even get to finish the sermon? And the Holy Spirit fell on those people and filled them up, and they were ready to repent and be baptized. I want to see that kind of revival. I'm all for cutting my sermon short any day for God to move in that way. But he's telling them, God knows their hearts. You see, because you and I, we judge by what we see on the outside or what somebody speaks, right? When you got to stop and think, what have they been raised in? What have they lived in? What, what is their upbringing? Because their upbringing hasn't been like your upbringing. Lord, help me, my upbringing said nothing about being a pastor. <laughs> it's, no, but God knows the hearts of people. And I say this to remind you, church family, that sometimes... What we see on the outside, it doesn't feel like it fits, right? We like to say, well, the fruit's going to show, right? Yeah, eventually. But i got to give God time to do what God wants to in somebody's life. And that's not up to me to decide what that looks like. So Peter said, God knows people's hearts. He said, he made no distinction between us and them. For he cleans their hearts through faith. So why are you now, oh, get this, because he, he doesn't say, why are you challenging these Gentiles to live this way? Why are you challenging God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to take God on. <laughs> I mean, like, like me and God, we have some hard conversations, and then we have hard conversations, but I mean, that sounds like you are pushing God to, to really... Mm, question him. And he says, why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke, get this, that neither you or I or our people could keep? Why did Jesus come? Because the law could not save them. Because they could not keep the law. One person has kept the law and he hung on the cross for you and I. So sometimes we forget because we think, well, I overcame this, so they should be able to. Again, God knows their hearts. He'll know the right time to deal with that heart. Not you and I. Frankly, I'm really glad I don't have to be Holy Spirit Junior because I would probably mess people up. <laughs> I would probably mess them up because things that maybe I have overcame that didn't feel very hard, Maybe they're struggling with it. So he says, this yoke that you want to put around them, we couldn't even keep it. Verse 11, listen, listen. We believe that we are all saved the same way. By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Key word, undeserved you and I cannot earn God's grace. I want to see you 
every Sunday, but there's not going to be a gold star in heaven for perfect attendance. It doesn't earn you anything. When I see you here every Sunday, I really hope it's because you are hungry for what God wants in your life. You're hungry for the word. You're hungry for fellowship with other believers. We can't earn that righteousness. And then after Peter says all of this and reminds them of his position, Paul and Barnabas, they step up again and begin to testify of everything they did on that journey that we saw on that map. Well, here's what we've seen God doing. And I think this is important because probably he's talking to some people. They haven't even been out there in the big world. Right? They haven't even been out there to see what's going on. So they're giving their testimony. And then we saw where James steps up. Now this is James, the brother of Jesus. Not, you know, we talked last week, the other James, he's already been killed by Herod. This is Jesus' brother. And he reminds them that God is fulfilling. So that, that verse 16 through 18, um, that came from Isaiah 45. He's reminding them, this has been prophesied a long time. And it's so funny to me for these Pharisees who knows the scriptures backwards and forwards and somehow they conveniently forget these statements where he has always said it was going to be for all nations, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles. And look at verse 19. And so my judgment is, now this got me because I have never caught this. Pastor Confession never caught this in here. Because when I think of the church in Jerusalem and I think of all the apostles and elders gathered, who do you often think of as in control? Peter. James was head of this church. Because he's the one giving the final judgment here. Alright? So he says, it's my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He was the leader of the church. In fact, it was said about James that his knees were as hard and calloused as a camel's knees. Now, I know, for this group of people, that doesn't really register. We don't have a whole lot of camels, right? But you know that camels will dip down on their knees like when they drink and, and different things. And so their knees are very calloused and hard. And this was said of James because he spent so much time in prayer. So when he says, here's the judgment, here's the decision of what we're arguing about, this is not just some random five-minute, let's take a vote and we're out of here. He's obviously spent time to figure out what God's view is on this. And he does sort of compromise a little bit, right? And I kind of I kind of think that this is the first Christian conduct of character. You know, we have that in our manual of, you know, these are just ways that we feel like honor God and how we live, right? And so this is what he says we're going to send back to him. He said, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. And I was like... That is the weirdest list of do's and don'ts I've ever heard in my life. And I'm a little concerned. I feel like I need to do some research because I'm a medium rare eater. I'm just telling you. I like that steak that has just a little bit there, right? But let's, let's look 
bit and let's talk about what it means. So do not eat food offered to idols. That should be obvious. Stop idol worship. Remember we talked last week about Antioch. And, and they worshiped Daphne and they worshiped some other gods. And, and so that's really about, because, you know, when you read that, you go, now wait a minute, BJ, if you go on over, at some point Paul says, you can eat the meat that's been offered. Like, it, we know it doesn't harm us, right? But I think this was more of the intent of making sure they understood, you got to give up your idol worship. you got to give up your idol worship. And you're like, well, we got that covered, do we? Do we? I was listening to a podcast Friday, and, and I think I said this, I don't remember, Thomas said a couple weeks ago, and I said this, when we have to put an adjective in front of Christian, I'm a conservative Christian, I'm a progressive Christian, I'm a liberal Christian, I'm a this Christian, I'm a that, there's all kinds of labels out there right now. Whatever you put before the word Christian is your idol. Because you hold that above Jesus. And I said that a couple of weeks ago. We've got to drop the adjectives. We've got to figure out how to just be Christian body of believers. We've got to figure out how to be one body. We can look different in the body. Just like the Jews and the Gentiles. That's what they're struggling with. Oh, I know they're going to vote Democrat. We've got to fix this. Ah, and Republicans over there, we gotta fix this. Yeah. That that's the same kind of tensions we got going on with Jews and Gentiles. But how about we give up our idol worship? I heard it said in that podcast, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Let that be sit. Just let that be sit. The next thing they said to tell them, no sexual immorality. Now remember, we talked last week in Antioch, there was a whole lot of loose living going on. Alright? That's all i got to say in here, and you adults know what I'm talking about. There was a whole lot of loose living, and, and yes, some of it was pagan worship, but some of it was just, this is what we do, this is what the culture is. Right? Well, my body, my feelings... Your body is the temple of God. Not this room. Not this building. Holy Spirit resides here. Our culture right now, they've lost how God intended human sexuality. I've got a great book by Dan Green, if anybody wants to read it. And, and we can debate certain scriptures, but you know what? You can take those certain scriptures out even and still see the plan God has for human sexuality. Because he created a man, he created a But now remember, when they left the garden, sin broke everything that was good and perfect. So we still trust that God sees hearts. Do not eat from the strangled animals and do not consume the blood. Strangled animals would have still had the blood in them, right? And this was a pre-Moses law, by the way, that was given to Noah. So go back and look at Noah's story in Genesis. And when he gets off the boat and God begins to give them some directives, you'll see where they have these same directives. Now, why is that important? Because... When you look at the Mosaic laws, that was for the Jewish people. 
coming out of Egypt. When God is talking to Noah, who is considered the father of the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Because his family repopulated the, the earth. So that's why this would have been important of a law that they couldn't really fight with as Gentiles. So that's why he threw that in there. So, so this was the decision Paul and Barnabas took back to the Gentiles. But notice, this was not about salvation. Again, this was some Christian conduct stuff. But this still had nothing to do with their salvation. Salvation is about repenting of our sins. And acknowledging that we need a Savior to cleanse our hearts. And that doesn't get changed by anything. Church, how easy or hard are we making it for people to come to Jesus? Jason, show them the uh, new version of that scripture. Unless you are, fill in the blank, what kind of requirements do we put on people? Unless you are this, as required by Wicks Church of the Nazarene, the Nazarene manual, whatever, you cannot be saved. I mean, heavens to Bitsy, if they do that, they can't be a Christian, right? Wrong. <laughs> now, maybe God is still working some things. You know, unless you dress like me, unless you clean up that filthy mouth. Now, grant you, words offend me. I'm not asking any of you to cut loose like a sailor in here, all right? Or even out there for that matter. Unless you stop doing this, or maybe you got to start doing this. You can't be saved. No. Because salvation, whether it's at this altar, whether it's at home, maybe you're sitting here, it's about surrendering your heart to God. It's about surrender. Now when you become Holy Spirit-filled, I promise there are going to be some changes. Because if He doesn't change us, why do we need Him? Do you understand that concept? When people, oh, you're just being legalistic now. No! If there was not going to be any changes necessary, why would we need a Savior? But you see, we couldn't keep the law. We couldn't be right. And the moment you surrender, God is trying to remake us and lead us back into that right relationship that he intended for us to begin with. So when we look at a, a generation that we think is messed up, it's because somewhere the messages got lost that they just simply need to surrender to Jesus. Period. 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 End of that statement. Because you know what? I have decided, and I mean I'm clinging to this real hard these days, that I trust the Holy Spirit to do His job. My job, your job, is to tell people about Jesus and why we need Him. And then once... They say, yes, my job is to help expose you to the Word more and more. That's why I like when we walk through these books, because 
Somebody be honest with me. You just ain't out there reading these books through, are you? (laughs) We do our devotions, and I love our devotions. But you may not be studying all the time. So my job is to encourage you. You need the whole thing. You need the whole thing. And I want you hungry for the word because you know what? When you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit and you have the word, then I'm going to leave the cleansing up to God to do. And he has a time frame for that. And it's not my time because I can tell you, I'm praying for some things that I want to see now. And in my heart of hearts, I know it probably isn't going to happen now. And I know there's some of you, you've got those same kind of prayers, right? But I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to do. I'm not going to keep putting restrictions on people. Because then I'm taking the place of God. I'm taking the place of a Savior. And that's not how this is intended to be. And so I see here, and I love this process. You're thinking, man, they they went through a lot to get there. That's okay. This is what faith is supposed to look like when we struggle through some things. That podcast I was listening to Friday, one of the, the speakers on it, she was saying like, I know this is what God's word says to me but I'm just struggling with this right now. Like, I am really battling with this, and I'm really having to read and and mm, let God interpret some things. That's what faith is supposed to look like. How many times have you shut your Bible because you thought, I don't understand it. I don't know what God wants out of me. Don't close the conversation. Keep struggling with the faith. Keep asking questions. Sit down with me or somebody else that you know has been a Christian longer than you so that you know they've struggled with things and they can help. They can help me see what I'm missing. They can pray with me. There is nothing more comforting than to have somebody praying with you. And that's what I love about Paul and Barnabas. I mean, they go to bat for the Gentiles. Peter steps up and says, no. That journey looks different for them, but God is still working there. Go to bat for people. Don't let others tear them down. Don't be one that tears them down. Stand with me this morning, church. Maybe maybe you have never come to that surrender moment to Jesus because you've heard too, too many of those statements. You need to do this to get saved. You need to do that to get saved. No, you just need to surrender your heart today to Jesus Christ. Period. Surrender. That says, God, I know I have messed up. And let me tell you this. We, we've gotten real laxed. In this prayer, God, I've sinned. Would you forgive me? I want you, even if it's in just your head, I'm not saying you have to say this out loud in public, but God, I know I've sinned. I've done this, this, and this. Those of you that are mamas, you know what I'm talking about. When our kids get in trouble and we say, hey, you got to go apologize. And they go over, I'm sorry. No, what are you sorry for? And we make them acknowledge the action that was wrong. When you come before Jesus, I am sorry. Because I've been out there and I've been loose living, Lord. 
And I don't think I've reflected you at all. I'm sorry. Lord, I, I'm sorry because I, I just, I have pushed you away and I just don't want it. And, 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 but I'm, I'm still so unhappy and I know I need you, Lord. I'm sorry. Name it. Just surrender. Just surrender. And maybe there's people that came to mind today that would be your Gentiles that you've thought for a while, there ain't no way they're saved. Let God be the God that knows the heart. You know, I love to preach a funeral when I know that I know that I know that somebody knew Jesus. Man, I love those because I can celebrate. I hate the ones where I'm like, I'm not really sure. I'm just not sure if they did. But I still have hope because I don't know their heart. I can't preach them into heaven as much as we'd like to sometimes. But I don't want you to have to wait till your death day to figure that out when you can do it today. Do you understand? Getting saved is not just about someday in heaven. It's about today. That's what we're reading in the whole New Testament is how we live our lives day by day. Let us pray. Lord, we come today. Open hearts. And as our jar has filled up with our Ebenezer stones, Lord, I know there are some in here we are waiting patiently. And God, we're going to cling to the fact that salvation is easy. Living gets hard. But God, you know their hearts. And I know that there are some prayers in this jar, Lord, that they need you. They need to hear you call their name. I know there's somebody in here today, Lord, that you are calling their name to say, come back, child. Come to me for the first time today, child. May they just answer with a yes, with a yes, Lord, will you forgive us for the moments that we try to put these heavy yokes on people, yokes that we ourselves have failed at time and time again? Just because maybe we got it right now, we went through years of getting it wrong. May we give them the same grace, the undeserved grace. May we remember that we were once just as lost as they were. And may we just pray for them that they hear the voice of God. Lord, I love you. Thank you that your word comes alive so full to us. To remind us how simple and yet how hard it feels sometimes to be a Christian. But may we never try to be you and put those jokes on people. Forgive us. Forgive us. And as we leave this place today, I pray that people will know we have been in your presence. We have enjoyed a time of fellowship today. We have enjoyed a time of worship through music. We have enjoyed a time of opening your word up. And God, for those that leave here today, maybe there's something in this message that kind of sticks and they need to work through it. May your Holy Spirit work with them to open up the truth that you have for them. And may it change them because of who you are. 
and all of God's people say, Amen. Church family, have a beautiful, the weather is great today, so go have a beautiful day with your family and friends and bless somebody because you have been blessed. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.